This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Late Talk. Joining you after Hopi's uh, chatting away <laughs> in the background. Um, how are we? Uh, this is the Guna Talk, of course, the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Sophie from the Hybrid Squad. How are you doing, Soph? I'm doing very well and I do have I some defence. No, I ages. know. It's been too long. Been too long. But By the way, can I just say... My English teacher in secondary school, Arnos School, which then became Broomfield, which is a whole other discussion in North London, um, said to me in my report, if Sophie put as much energy into her schoolwork as she did in her, to her chatter, she'd do very well in life. <laughs> so that's been happening. I mean, there's no me. debate. <laughs> there's, no, there's no arguments from me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for those of you that have been waiting around for seven minutes. Uh, part of that is my fault. Uh, and his. Meant I wanted to change the thumbnail. And Mike was kind of involved. Speaking of which, Owen is not here with us this evening. Um, so I thought I'd get uh, another TGP, the Gooners Pods, uh, advocates. And from not another Arsenal podcast, it's Mike Kurtz. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, Tom. Really appreciate you uh, having me on. It's always fun. Get to I, this might be the first time I get to chat with you, Sophie, outside of the the podathon, uh, the, mm. the GDC podathon. So it's pretty cool to, to finally get to podcast with you. I met you in Los Angeles. It was freaking awesome. You uh, were my wingman. Me. Magic did warn me that it was going to be awesome. It was going to be a good experience meeting you. Definitely was. Tom, I'm excited. Let's talk tomorrow, Arsenal, man. Uh, Doc's going to be along shortly. Uh, he is going to be with us, so uh, we'll be braced for impact. We've got. A couple of breaking news stories to discuss first. Um, what I will tell you is uh, David Ornstein is just, as we are recording this tweet, saying Real Sociedad are close to an agreement with Arsenal to sign Kieran Tierney on loan. No buy option, but Arsenal will get a fee for the loan and wages will be paid. Um, if all goes to plan, the left-back will travel for a medical over the weekend. Very interesting indeed. Let's react to that first. Sophie, I mean, Timber's gone. We'd be down, of course, without him to Zinchenko, Kivior and Tomiyasu. Is this the right move? 
this is the bit of the window where the unpredictability factor kicks in. You know, it's the M. Night Shyamalan ending. You know, anything can happen, right? So we did our business early on, but the outgoings were always going to be the big um, discussion, weren't they, Tom? Who can we get money for? Who wants to stay? Who wants to leave? More importantly, who does Arteta want and who does he not see in um, the Arsenal future? And Kieran Tierney is one of those players that we have fallen in love with. And as we get better as a team, we're going to lose players that we really love and we care about. And one thing I will say about Kieran Tierney is um, he's the type of player you want to be happy. He's been top shelf. We fell in love with him. He knew um, instantly um, what it meant to be an Arsenal player. The Tesco bag just got us all, you know, um, totally uh, infatuated with him, playing in the snow with his, you know, his underwear on. I mean, he's just top shelf guy all the way around. But at the end of the day, it's about football. And does he fit into what Mikel Arteta does? We may think one thing of him and being really talented, but clearly Mikel doesn't see that he fits. He's gone, you know, he's after Tommy Yasu now as a choice. He's not even a, a natural a choice in his in his natural position. Uh, so it feels like a good move for him and and the right move for us. Now, in terms of lack of game time, was he gonna get any anyway? I don't know. I it doesn't. I I don't know if that argument ho- holds weight. So to me, I feel like Arteta has other options that he knows what he wants to do, and so you know, Tierney goes with our blessing. It was something that we all felt was coming. Yeah, I, what I would ask you, Mike, about this. Um, in fact, you know, for the benefit of not confusing people, I'm just going to call you Hertz from now because other people might be going. That doesn't sound like Mike Feinberg. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Hurts. Uh, when it comes to Tierney, obviously, as Soph said, he's such a likable character. And, you know, it was really difficult. I think, you know, speaking maybe, you know, a year ago when just before, just after we'd signed Zinchenko to say Tierney's going to leave on loan to Real Sociedad in 12 months' time. Are you surprised about how little interest there has been in him from other teams to buy him? And, is that in any way an indication of perhaps where he is as a player at this stage in 2023? Yeah, it kind of broke my heart to be completely honest with you. I I thought when we when we bought him from Celtic and he started playing for us, I'm like, oh, dude, you know, we start to romanticize about the player. This is a 40, 50 million dollar player right here. One of the left back, best left backs in the league. If somebody wants them, there were like rumors about like whatever city a long, long time ago. And we're like 60 easy for him, waka waka. So the fact that we walk into this transfer window, we bought Zinchenko, he performed the way he did last season. I was anticipating, for, for one, I wasn't anticipating Tierney to lose the value that he did or, or sh- like show up as little that he did show up or get played by a teta. So the thing that surprised me the most, and maybe this is my perspective of devaluing a player for better, for worse, not intentional from Arteta, but when you have a left back and you have a player that came from Italy that's played in a back three and at right back, and then you slot him in Tomiyasu before Kieran Tierney. Then in January, you go and you buy Kivi or a, a, a player that, again, played in a back three, played a little bit in midfield in a defensive form, and he gets it in front of Tierney. I think what it was is essentially the perspective that the club gave was he's not needed. He has no value to us in um, a sporting level. Uh, tactically i i want to i want to be soft with this this analogy as well because i know it sounds like i'm i'm murdering kt right now but he's an outstanding player still 
just not an outstanding player for this club at the moment. So I think the lack of playing time and the fact that two essentially center backs slash right backs got in the club before him, and then we purchase another right back and he starts playing preseason ahead of him. I think essentially that gave big red alerts to a lot of clubs to say, Hey, if you don't buy him this season, he's going to be really cheap next season because we're not going to play him. We're not going to renew his contract sooner or later. You're going to get an incredibly sweet deal for an incredible left back. That could be very useful depending on, on what team he goes to. So yeah, I was totally bought into the idea that he was going to go to Newcastle to be completely honest with you. They bought a left back and then interest in Spain. And once I heard the interest in Spain, I was like, crap, there goes our opportunity (laughs) because Within the English Premier League, if you're not selling amongst yourselves and not selling to Saudi Arabia, it's going to be really difficult to recoup a a massive wage. And we'll be talking about a story a little bit later on in which we came up really good. That that counters what I just said. But um, yeah, I was so much more hopeful for KT, but unfortunately, just didn't happen that way. The market dictates the price at the end of the day. It does. It does. Uh, let's complete our set of guests today uh, with the Doc. How are you doing, Doc? You good, Joel? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, Sorry Doc. about the tardiness. I, I don't know. Me and Mike didn't get the uh, the pink memo. Um, clearly. <laughs> All right. Not everyone Not everyone can do this, guys. <laughs> clearly. is uh, Yeah, Sophie got it, but uh, but we didn't. But yeah, um, we, we've just discussed, I don't know if you've seen it, I know you've, you've seen the Balogun stuff, which we're going to talk about in a second, but a yellow card. Am I getting, what am I getting a yellow card for? Not you, the doc. The doc is getting a yellow card. Oh, for real. Time-wasting. We take that seriously. Time-wasting. Yeah, yeah there it is. <laughs> Sorry. thought that was important. Nice. <laughs> did you did you mention the salmon memo, Tom? Did you yeah, mention I, the salmon? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get I don't, I don't wear pink at all. I don't think I've got anything that's pink, to be fair. Actually, that's a lie. Last year's third kit. There you go. That's that's. Pink. I've got that. <laughs> um, but Raj, we're just discussing the breaking news that Kieran Tierney is close to signing for Real Sociedad on loan um, for this season. Real Sociedad covering all of his wages and paying a loan fee. We're not sure what the loan fee is at the moment. I imagine it's in the single-digit low millions. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on that breaking story? Well, at first, I imagine that. I mean. It's- Obviously, ideally, it would have been an obligation to buy, right? That's not included. So, uh, nope. my guess is, you know, them trying to, they, they weren't able to do the number they wanted or a team wouldn't agree to it. And so, therefore, what's your next best, your next, your next best option becomes offloading those wages. You get something back, right? For a player who's clearly, regardless of how you feel about KT, I love him, but he's clearly not in the plans anymore, right? So, uh, it makes sense to, to be able to do that and also it's a move that i think ornstein said that he wanted and so you can do good by a player as well so maybe get maybe even if he plays well right for them it then bumps his value back up so you know it could be a a good medium uh medium term player yeah, I see a lot of people on social media saying that they don't know why we're doing this. That this doesn't make sense. That um, it's, it's questionable. I can, for me, the idea that Arsenal would have allowed him to leave on loan with an option to be included wouldn't have made sense to me because it takes any control away from Arsenal if he was to have a really brilliant season. Um, 
there clearly isn't the interest in him this season whatsoever to get the fee that they think that he is worth. And, you know, when you're seeing Lewis Hall go for £35 million to Chelsea and a club's not willing to pay £25 million for Tierney, you can kind of see that. And I think that comes from the fact that he's not played too much football in the past 12 months. He's had injury issues, of course, um, that have kept him out. And I think clubs aren't necessarily willing to take a risk on Kieran Tierney because of those issues and because of those factors. I think if he has a dry loan, he's got two years left on his deal when he comes back in 2024, if he has a really good season in Real Sociedad in La Liga, you know, that will raise his profile, it raises his profile on the continent as well, not just in the UK. So I think there could be some really uh, impressive, um, you know, bids coming in in 2024. Uh, if indeed we can get the amount of game time in his legs that we need him to get. So I think that's why we're seeing this dry loan happen. Uh, the other story to discuss, obviously, with uh, three people across the pond uh, to talk about it with is, of course, following Balogun and they go in reverse order this time. Uh, Raj, uh, you would dis- you threw it into the, our, our chat box. Uh, 45 million euros, which is about 38.6 million pounds. Um I was privy a bit to information about what this might have been on Monday. I tweeted out a little hint to that info from Monday uh, just a second ago. I think this is a great amount of money, personally, for Balogun. I've been saying, the chat box that will know from me saying this for the last something like two months, if Arsenal can get around £35 million, I've been very happy getting near £40 million for a player that we nearly lost for nothing, you know, less than three years ago, I think is great. But what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I was saying anything around 40 would be a pretty good deal. And so and so, I think they got around their number, right? And therefore, you know, it adds to the coffers and, and also gives them some time if they want to reinvest it during the window. And so it also, you know, gives him a move. He, obviously, he did well. Uh, in that league last season. So it gives him some, you know, some playing time as well, rather than, you know, have him stick around and, and who knows what happens, right? So you want to kind of strike while the iron is hot there for a player who's coming off a pretty good season. Clearly his pathway was not at Arsenal, but I think the price, you know, made sense. Mm, Sophie, I'm going to come to you on this one and then we'll go to Hertz. I mean, we've <clears throat> been a bit... We got into a little bit of a, a verbal scuffle, I think, about Balogun and, and price tag. I think in our chat with yes. Harry and seeing that. Um, so, tell me, how are you feeling now? You know the price tag. Um, I guess my issue when we were having our uh, discussion in our group was yeah. that when you see what Manchester United paid um, for Hovland, is that how you pronounce his last name, Hovland? Right. That- um. Well, Ho- Rasmus Hoyland is that Ro- you're Rasmus? About? Yeah. Rasmus. Yeah. Yeah. Hoyland. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And actually, I I enjoyed watching him play last season. Um. We had a discussion with uh, Kevin Sun actually on our show about um. He was someone that he he brought up that he felt would do really well in the Premier League as well. And I just thought that with the amount of goals he had scored in Syria and Balogun had scored in Liga. And yes, okay, some people say Syria is far superior to Liga. Some folks will say it's apples and apples. When you have Messi and you have Mbappe and you had Neymar and you had all the other star players, not only at PSG, but other teams too, and he scored the amount of goals he did, I thought that is worth a lot. It's tough to find a good goal scorer in modern-day football. I don't care what league you're playing in. It is not easy to just bang in goals in, and I know people are going to come back with the Lacazette argument. I hear you. All right. 
but also Lacazette's playing differently. And Lacazette was was set up to fail a little bit at the Arsenal and he failed himself in the end as well. But when you're his age and you're scoring the amount of goals his, he is, I thought it was worth a little bit more money than that. United, I, I don't know if Inter have got a better deal. I love Edu, I do. But I felt like this was at least a 50 million deal. Our problem is that we didn't get the interest from the Premier League. Well, maybe we did and we didn't want to sell to a Premier League team, which I'm happy about. So when you're talking about Monaco and Inter on the reverse, they're not going to pay that kind of money. So I get it. It's a catch-22. But did I feel like he was worth more? 100%. Um, totally. And I, I, I spent time Balogun, uh, with Balogun here in the summer when he was playing in the Nations League. And I could see that he could be a bit prickly um, in terms of attitude. He's a very confident guy. No nonsense. But maybe there's an edginess to him that Mikel didn't appreciate. And then when, you, when he got to the Arsenal tour and made the comments that he did, from then on, <laughs> dude was kind of banished. So I feel like culturally maybe he just didn't fit. Um, and maybe he does have an elevated perception about himself, but he believes in his talent. But yeah, I think that $38 million for him is a little bit cheap, but I get it. Yeah, to be fair, uh, the report comes from Fabrice Hawkins, uh, RMC Sports, that's reporting here. There is a lot of reports coming out from the English-based journalists now. I'm just seeing David Ornstein reporting there, suggesting that final price tag still being um, kind of sorted. I, I think that's to do more so with the structure uh, of the deal regarding kind of staggered, staggered payments, of course, as you expect with these types of deals. And of course, what, how much of it is add-ons and what those add-ons are and a potential sell-on course as well, which I think is important. Arsenal get involved in this deal is, is a sell-on clause as well. Uh, Hertz, your thoughts, Balogun, 38 odd million quid. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> unpopular opinion on this, on this panel is, I'm thrilled in the sense that I thought we were going to go for 30 mil um, euros. Mm. That is, so you could you could do the quick maths on that one on the quid part. But I That's thought it was going to be 30 million pound. I think that is. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a, a 30 million pound or 30 million euro deal. I thought, yeah, he scored. He scored in France. A lot of people score in France, and and I take Sophie's notes about Lacazette and how people use that. But I, I kind of interpret it like plenty of players have come from France and failed um, and not hit the ground running in, in England. England is just a different kettle of fish as they, as they say. So I, I looked at like, you know, Anthony Martial went for massive money from France to England, very difficult. And, and England hasn't established himself. Pepe, we all know what's going on with him, hasn't established himself. And, and Pepe spoke very, you know, nice about it, that it wasn't exactly him. It's just, it was, it was difficult for him to adapt to the league. And my whole theory was, Dude, if we keep this guy and he plays for us and he doesn't score 15 goals with like as a part-time role that Eddie Nketiah does, his value is only going to get diminished. So my interpretation of that was because an English team owns him, he's not fancy. He doesn't have that pers- like he doesn't have that aura of being owned by Leon. So somebody's not going to fork out 60 for him. So because he was our player, his landing destinations were were slim to say the very least at the beginning of the window i was of the idea like if we bag 30 million euros for him i'd be happy so the fact that we brought a player back from the brink of of the contract extension you know the contract being over extended loaned him out for one season comes back and we sell him for 45 million euros potentially with the you know bonuses included i think that's a massive win for for a do in the club so 
it, it's a perspective thing. I, I, I think we're establishing a little bit of a better reputation for selling, at least playing hard bar slightly more. And that could be very well because we have a lot more desirable players versus the players that we had maybe two, three, four years ago. Yeah, I, I know that time's moved on since, but this is, will be the joint second highest Monaco investment alongside James Rodriguez, who was signed from Porto for 45 million euros. Um, their highest, of course, being Radamel Falcao, which was around 50 million pounds um, in that same summer. Uh, and Jaral Moutinho joined that summer as well. So um, I think Ben Yedda arrived for around 40 million euros, I think. So they rate. You know, that's that's the rating that we're putting on Balogun in terms of for a the sale. for the US fans that listen to your show. I think his colleagues at international level ended up in a better spot than him. I think Polisic, uh, Polisic, and Forza Milano. Yeah, Forza Milano. This fan here, Mister Milano. I think they've <laughs> ended up in a better spot. Um, I think of all the US men's national team players, I think that he's. And I'm I'm contradicting myself, aren't I? Because he was in Liga, feels comfortable there, scored a, a load of goals. However, for his personal growth and development and going into the World Cup, it's a bit underwhelming. I get it, but it's a little underwhelming. Well, why, maybe why I'm, is, maybe um, I'm being a little. Maybe I'm being. No, I, I think know. that's fine. I just I, I would ask the question: Why then haven't better teams come in for him? Well, have better teams coming come in for him, but the figures. price maybe isn't better. Mm. And uh, and I think Arsenal have tried to play ball with Balogun, and you know he's pushed as well. I don't think he did us any favors when he came out with the cut price comment. That's ridiculous. Uh, but I don't know. I just with the next step, considering he did Ramsey, did Liga, he he showed and he proved himself among some of the best players in the world. I felt that maybe it's a little bit underwhelming in terms of where I thought. I'm happy he didn't end up at a Premier League team. I'm happy the same for our other players. They don't look like they're going to end up in another Premier League at another Premier League team permanently. Um, but yeah, a little underwhelming. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, of Inter Milan, obviously the big other side's uh, interested at the beginning of the window, but they weren't willing to go this high uh, in terms of a figure. I think what we've learned from this situation is Balogun's priority has been minutes. Um, I think that's represented in the fact that he's open to this move to Monaco. You know, he's not rejected this move and hoping that, uh, you know, that Arsenal might accept a lower bid from an Inter Milan, you know, to go somewhere like He is prioritising, you know, minutes. And you've got to respect that. Um, you respect the fact that he, he wants mm. to play regularly and he's going to move to a league where he knows he's done well already and be able to continue that momentum. I, for one, am delighted with this. Um, I think that the fact that it might get done 
with still a week remaining in the window, I'm hoping, gives Arsenal some manoeuvrability regarding incomings between now and the end of the window as well. You know, Tini moving on. Uh, we're hearing Pepe, you know, he's in negotiations with a couple of Saudi Arabian clubs. Tavares in talks with a number of clubs. He kind of waited on that Forest deal that collapsed because he was hoping for a, a bigger team to come in. We'll see if that indeed turns out to be the case. Lukonga. Could also be off to, with Balogun potentially to Monaco, uh, is my understanding that they're interested in him as well. We'll have to wait and see how that thread turns out. But uh, yeah, I think overall, the fact that Arsenal been able to move on Balogun, Xhaka, Turner, Trusty, um, and there's one other that I'm forgetting. Who's the other? Someone remind me. It's Turner, Trusty, Xhaka, Marie. Uh, we moved on Pablo that. Mari, uh, yeah, that happened Pablo earlier. Mari. For a combined <laughs> close to £80 million. Uh, I think actually it was £80 million for all of them with Balogun in there now. And we still might, you know, sell the likes of Tavares and Pepe. Might get a fee for him as well if rumours to believe, believe. So Arsenal could be recouping around £100 million this summer, which is Oh, OK. Great. What's is that? What's our net spend this summer? A net spend will be, uh, well, with the Ray alone, which is only £3 million quid at the moment, you're looking at about just over, around 110 spent. OK. Um, so, rice, so yeah, pretty much. That's not bad, all things considered. We basically, <laughs> yeah, paid for rice. Um, we've certainly paid for Havertz and Raya and nearly Timber, you know, with uh, with these sales, and then we've invested in rice, if you like. So, yeah, very, very good business. And I think that I'm hoping anyway that Arsenal aren't done. Um, moving away from transfers, Doc, I'm I sure say, you saw. Sorry, I say one more thing. Yeah. I think, push cam. I think one key thing to understand with the Bowden situation is how much people should appreciate Enketia's willingness to stay and fight and train. He had a road to interview today. Not every player is built for that. I think Eddie knows he can play more minutes, but he wants to stay. He wants to fight, mm-hmm. and he's willing to do it, right? And he wants to stay, you know, at Arsenal. So every a lot of people want to, you know, poo-poo Eddie. But dude, this, this guy, he's a monster worker. His mentality is... Um, not as unique and that's why Mikel keeps him around he sees he doesn't allow his minutes to affect how he plays or how he works and how he trains and you know that's that's a true professional especially at his age and mm-hmm. so I think you know that needs to be appreciated especially when you see guys like Balogun and I, I'm not I'm not um you know trying to hate on Balo. I mean everyone has their own priorities but I think it just, just should give some perspective on a player like Enketia who's willing to fight for that spot and uh, I think I mentioned it last week. There was that that scene on All or Nothing where Zombie was like pouting about not playing. And he was like, dude, none of us are playing at this table. So they yeah. suck it up, keep working, and we'll get there. So, yeah, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah, I would, what I would, you know, I, I think both, I think both arguments are valid. I think that fair play in Ketia, but respect for Balogun for moving to a club like Monaco at the same time, knowing that you're going to be able to play and not holding out, as I said before, for that, that other maybe bigger club. Um, uh, and also there's think, a difference yeah. between waiting and being told you've given been given a chance versus hmm. maybe not, right? Yeah, I think he knew that he wasn't going to get that opportunity. Right. And I also think it's good for Arsenal that he's going to Monaco because had he have gone to, say, a Chelsea, I think from a sell-on perspective, there's a much better chance that Arsenal are going to get a good fee if someone buys him from Monaco 
compared to if they were to buy him from Chelsea. Because to leave Chelsea's or you know somewhere like that, you're probably going to have to fail, you know. Whereas Monaco, if you do really really well, <laughs> you might find yourselves moving on for a bigger fee, and and that might suit Arsenal. So that might be something to consider. Uh, also, Mike, I feel like you'd want to jump in. No, we're going to say I absolutely love that angle, Tom. It never crossed my mind to be completely honest with you. I, I love the fact that because I mentioned when I was discussing Balogun that. Had he been owned by a French team, we, somebody would have bought him for 60, 50, 70 mil. And it's happened over and over throughout history. So it's, it's just, you said it, and I was like, ding. I just love it. <laughs> I wanted to just say, I absolutely love that perspective. That's a good one, man. Um, let's let's talk about the really good news of the day. And Doc, I want to come to you first, of course, because our injury specialist, seeing a certain Gabriel Jesus, uh, not only involved in the warm-ups today, but also pictured in full training, you know, on the ball with players, challenge of uh, tackles and things like that. That's a great bit of boost for us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it looked good. I mean, it was, like you said, I thought at first it was just warm-ups, but there's more pictures that was full of training. So it, it all still comes down to how he responds. And if he has multiple training sessions, imagine he'll have a, at least one bounce match. Uh, the good news is, I mean, I didn't think it would be that long in the first place. So I thought some of the some of the projections we saw were a little too long for, for it. I thought it was somewhere like two months, some people were saying. Um, that's why I don't really trust non-medical people. But well, we got me. the expert on. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. And so glad to see him back. Glad to see him get back quick. Uh, not I don't even want to say quickly because um, we don't know if it was quick or not. We don't know what the timeline was in the first mm. place. Glad to have him back. You know, within three weeks, so you can kind of get that fitness and rhythm back because he was he was starting to look like the guy that we had early on last season, right? And so really active, really confident, kind of in, in multiple phases of play. So great to see it. Um, let, let's see where I think he, we'll see if he's if he's in you know in the team this weekend or not, and then we'll go from there. Uh, just quickly before I go to to, to Hertz, uh, what do we have any info inside like knowledge about? what actually they did to him because I know it was a procedure to kind of help with what was a, a not a, it wasn't a recurrence of the MCL. It's kind of like a lingering issue from the MCL recovery, right? Yeah. So whenever you have any like, you know, damage to your knee, you can have some kind of tissue in there, typically your meniscus, which can become irritated and you might have some tissue kind of floating around causing irritation, inflammation, and that can pop up uh, at any point. So you'll have a lot of players who actually have, these quote cleanup procedures done early on in the season before it, but before they get to tr camp. And so you never hear about it in his case, it just popped up when they were playing. Um, I don't know if some of those challenges, you know, from Barcelona helped or not, but really exactly. And then Chavi saying it was too intense. And it's Chavi, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, it can cause some irritation and, you know, you clean it up. You just kind of eliminate what's causing the irritation and then, you move on from there, but these are, you know, whenever you have a, like a, a knee ligament injury or, or kind of your, any knee problem, it's not unexpected to have some follow-up irritation. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I can attest to it myself as, as <laughs> no, and I don't think I've ever said about this before, but I did have an ACL injury. <laughs> Magic is going to be shocked. I saw an interesting tweet and, and I don't want to pile on American stadiums because I want these teams to come back so I could watch them live again. But there was an interesting tweet that a lot of the Barcelona players, Arsenal players, there's a few around the world, Militao, 
et cetera, et cetera. There's about five or six players rolling around with the ACL injury. They pointed out that all of them played in America on these fields. And one thing that was highlighted by a lot of fans that even in the stadium, that the stadiums weren't really up to par. The field was was dry. It was very difficult to, to run on. It was, it was a concern before the LA game. Is there any way that impacts like just any correlation that you could think of there, just that the impact of the soil on the player's feet as they're running, et cetera, that, that might be a, a reason for all these ACLs or is this simply down to, this is just bad luck on these players. Uh, there's really, has it been any research showing any kind of link between field type and, and ACL injuries. The only one that's been shown is, I think we talked about it. I think we talked about it last week, maybe is about yeah, the dryness or, or the wetness <laughs> of the field. But that's for more kind of when the ACL injury occurs. The one thing I would think one that comes to mind right away on these U S tours is that you see some pretty good teams playing at each other. So the intensity is higher mm-hmm. than other preseason games, right? That's what would come to mind for me because you have players now who are accumulating more fatigue than usual. They're also doing it after they haven't played for a while, right? So you have a quicker ramp up and that is the biggest risk factor when it comes to injuries, intensity, quick ramp ups. That's what I would go to rather than the field. The field to me, honestly, I mean, look, I was at the game at SoFi. It was, I mean, that, that pitch was brutal. And so it wasn't great, but that doesn't, I mean, to me, that's just, you know, someone trying, I always hear that stuff and it's, there's, there's is it any different to them playing on bad pitches in the FA Cups and the Carabao Cups and the Coppa Italia? And, you know, I mean. Oh, I'll tell you, I was there. That was <laughs> terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. To me, it's, it's lazy analysis, to be honest. I agree. Oh, yeah, no. Fair. I, I don't know. I, it might, might shock you. I don't know always on a podcast with a doctor. So I figure if I'm going to ask a question, now's the time. <laughs> Wait, Mike doesn't give you like you know Feinberg not giving you all the uh, the expertise. You know? Oh, he, he gives me answers. I don't know if they're expertise answers, yeah, they're but never right. answers. They're, not, they're not the right answers. No, never get advice. I love Feinberg. it. There's the questions we ask the doc on air, and then the ones we ask him off air. Stofi, <laughs> <laughs> right. so when it like having Balogun yeah, back, we've we've seen him in preseason already, and he looks sprightly, as Doc said. You know, he looked like he was getting back back to, to something we saw at the start of last season. Are you concerned that having had this procedure that we'll see the Jesus that we saw after the Fulham game, which wasn't, then we scored at Anfield, we scored, um, I think he scored in another game as well, post uh, Fulham as well. But I didn't get that same sprightly vision of him that I did at the beginning of the, the season. Mm. So what are you kind of expecting or is it impossible to, to know? Um... He did come back, like when he came back from the last injury, we were like, oh, he's back. You know, he got that early goal and everything looked great. And, you know, the doc will explain more. But, you know, after you're out for a while, you can come back with that burst of energy and then the body starts responding to what is being asked of it. And that can create some problems. Listen, I'll take a 70% um, Jesus over a 100% Eddie. And I say this with respect. Now I know that the argument is you, Eddie will score a goal. Jesus won't if, if you give them both an opportunity, but it's the opportunities that Jesus helps create. As you can see, we're not dominating and scoring lots of goals, right? So it's what he does off the ball. We talked about that earlier on our show too, what that's going to mean maybe for Kai Havertz. Um, what's that? What is that going to be mean for Martinelli again? We saw, you see, Martinelli, good game, first game with Eddie. 
Second game, the reality hit Martinelli not as effective. And maybe that's a little bit of what was happening behind him too with Tomiyasu. So Jesus is so integral to how we play. And whether he scores or not and you don't like it, he we are a different team when he's in it. So fingers crossed he comes back strong and he and he and we get a fit Jesus for the rest of the season. I really hope that, you know, he's he's he may he's the type of player, isn't he, that could go out with a little wee injury again. But let's hope he comes back stronger because he's desperately needed in terms of how Miss Mikel wants to play. We play better with him, I think. Hundred percent. I think it's something that we got to get used to. That a striker's sole focus isn't just striking the ball. A fullback's sole purpose isn't just getting that to the end, to the final third, and whipping in crosses. We're seeing more and more multi-use type of players. And Shanko, I thought he was a midfielder for a quick second when we purchased him. I thought he was going to replace Granit Xhaka in, in our starting lineup. And I'm like, no, he's a left back. He's kind of a left back. Thomas Partey starts two games at right back. Well, he's kind of a right back. And so many players like this that we have. So, yeah, I I have this crazy prediction that if Gabriel Jesus plays multiple games for us this season, he's going to bag over 10, 10 assists. My number is 14 is what I have in my mind. And I just see him bringing Sock and Martinelli into way more threatening positions. And I think Arsenal is going to benefit from him in so much more than just goals. Yeah, absolutely. Really good point. Well made. And I think that what we'll get to see and what, if you want to hear more about this, you can go listen to my chat with Sophie on the hybrid squad earlier on is that I think that Kai Havertz is going to really benefit from Jesus coming back. Um, I like Eddie a lot. You know, we talked about the respect we've got for him and the fact that he, he works really, really hard, but what he doesn't give you that Jesus does is the, the connectivity with others on the field that Jesus brings. And I look forward to seeing the interchanges with Jesus and Havertz and, and Zinchenko as well, coming back into the fold for Havertz. I think those two are going to be really key. So isn't, isn't it great though, that this is the team we wanted, you know, super Kev says it too. Eddie's not the long-term answer for the whole season, but if Eddie comes in and does a job when Jesus is out and he scores and we win, that's the, this is a team We've been so reliant on 11 players to get us to the promised land or a land of some type for so long. And so having Eddie, who is confident and can come in and do the things that Mikel wants him to, his manager believes in him, I think it's great. It's so important. This is the fear at that left-back, hybrid left-back, inverted, call it what you want, position. Zinchenko's injury-prone. Tierney was injury-prone. Tommy Asu's injury-prone. We don't know enough about Kivior yet. I'm missing one other person that can play in that position. I'm pretty sure of it. So to have Eddie on deck, Tom, is, an ama- is, is great. This is where we want to be, exactly where we want to be as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, I wanted to bring up something um, that I don't know if you guys have seen, um, but it's an interview that uh, Mike Dean has done, changing tax slightly. Uh, Mike Dean um, did an interview with The Telegraph today. Uh, this is going to be the last topic that we discussed with, with time running short, but I wanted to bring it up. Um, you probably remember last year, Christian Romero pulling Mark Kukurea's hair in the Chelsea Spurs game. Do you remember that? That was um, a it was like an age ago now. Um, it was seconds before Harry Kane's 96-minute equaliser and, and Mike Dean acknowledged that in the heat of the moment, he made a bad choice not to suggest on-field official uh, Anthony Taylor consider a sending-off offence. This is the quote. 
and brace yourselves. I missed the stupid hair pull at Chelsea versus Tottenham, which was pathetic from my point of view. It's one of them where if I had my time again, what would I do? I'd send Anthony to the screen. I think if I knew, I think I knew if I did send him to the screen, he's cautioned both managers. He's had a hell of a game. It's been such a tough game end to end. I said to Anthony afterwards, I just didn't want to send you to the screen after what has gone on in the game. I didn't want to send him up because he is a mate of mine as well as a referee. And I think I didn't want to send him up because I didn't want any more grief than he already had. Anthony, he is a big and bald and ugly enough to know that he is going to the screen. He is going to the screen for a reason. If someone pulls their hair now, it's dead easy. It's just a brainwave by me, a really bad call by me. And it kind of affected me as a VAR going forwards. I find that staggeringly honest, first of all, <laughs> and staggeringly revealing about how poor the officials are in this country. Um, I'm surprised he was that honest, to be honest. I can respect the fact that he's been honest about it, but yeah, is anyone desperate to have a word after hearing that? So I may, if I say something, <laughs> I may get in trouble. And <laughs> I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and let where, someone else speak. I cannot where's, the, where's the Mikel meme? If I speak, I will be suspended for a second. Yeah. If I put speak. That up, put that up. How, how okay, firstly, Yes, honest, misguided. It underlines everything fans think. Yeah. That they yeah. take care of their own and they do make decisions like that. This is horse shit. Please carry on. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, it's I talked about it this morning. I think I went on a bit of a rant yesterday. I said, this is, we're in game week two and we've already got a ridiculous <laughs> number of errors. Like it's silly. And and the fact that he said he's not sent him to the board to send a player off because he should have been sent off for pulling the guy's hair. And obviously it led to Kane scoring. So it changed the outcome of the game. And he's not because, oh, my mate's had a tough game. <laughs> what is on earth is going on? Uh, it's it, it's maddening. Absolutely maddening. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to bring that up because I, I really do say to people, I'm like, because people throw words like, you know, um, as KSS says, says there, people throw like these words up. Um, and it is alleged, as I always point out, to avoid libel and things like that. But, yeah. you know, it's really hard to, to defend the idea that, because in my mm -hmm. view, I think they're just bad. Like, I just say they're just that bad. And that's the reason why this happens. But I can't defend, I can't debate with people that put these accusations across because you hear things like that. Okay, what so Mike Dean's just saying, you think, for, what? For the, for the sake of balance of the conversation, I'm, I'm going to tiptoe around that because I, I'm, I'm along the lines of, of that. But if, if players are currently getting caught with betting allegations, Tony, you know, Ivan Tony, mm. um, Paqueta, and we have established that this is a close pack of friends from, you know, mostly Northern England. And these type of mistakes happen in a recurring. And it is damning that he even admitted that, to be completely honest. I'm like yeah. amazed that he brought this up to light. And then you go back, here's my bitter grapes apart. Like the linesman forgetting to draw the lines and the linesman assistant forgetting to tell him to draw the lines, Arsenal Brentford. Dang it, dude. At the very least, if you want to be completely optimistic and hopeful that England is the only country in which something like this has not happened, 
it's you have to be incredibly optimistic but the referees are not doing themselves any favors whatsoever with the displays that they're doing we saw the inconsistency with the time wasting thumbyasu thing and all those somebody put out a brilliant tweet of like how like six or seven throws were took longer than thumbyasu's and you could argue accumulation but game state but they weave in and out of their own consistency during 90 minutes of a game. Then they, they go back and you hear a comment like this. I just didn't want to do it to my mate. At the very least, it's incredibly damning and incredibly inconsistent. So if you are, I, I follow this gentleman, Dave Kaka on Twitter. He, he is a, uh, an amateur ref himself and he's pro ref and he's always has their side and he, and he speaks about a lot of good things about not abusing the referees because two players do take it to the extremes. But it's the consistency of it's the consistency of the bad calls that is highlighting the issues in England. So we've spoke about this, you spoke about this, a lot of podcasts spoke about this is maybe thickening the pull of players and maybe include I'm sorry, referees and including more referees from around the country why not bring in more referees from around the world and if you are the greatest league in the world with the greatest maximum money in the world with all the tv with everything all the viewership certainly you could improve and you have the financial power to improve this aspect of the game because if we continue i think there's been six or eight red cards thus far this season it's going to be some record number this season it's going to be absolutely insane Arsenal didn't have a single one last season and they've had one within two games. Um, That's all right. I'm trying to get another quote up from um, those that remember Mark Clattenburg. This is an interview that he did in 2021 uh, talking about the the Champions League final between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. He admitted that he gave a penalty... um, in favour of uh, of Real Madrid to balance uh, back after making a mistake earlier in the game. And it says, I was in a very fortunate in this final. Two or three minutes after halftime, I presented with a 50-50 penalty with Fernando Torres very clever getting in front of Pepe, sorry, it was to Atletico Madrid, uh, to draw a foul. Uh, is it a foul? It's very subjective. It's one that you wouldn't want to settle the game on, that's for sure. And I gave it because it gives a balance back after he made a mistake, uh, after a mistake was made earlier in the first half. Like, it's it's amazing what these referees say once they've quit, <laughs> what they're not, you know? Um, Mike Dean now does, I think, Sky Sports is Soccer Saturday, is their referee panelist. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the comments that I made this weekend if he is indeed questioned on those uh, words in that interview with The Telegraph. You can read the full uh, interview on Telegraph with Chris wow. Bascom, uh, who did the interview. So it's, Guna Russ did this thing on our on our show where he showed how many refs are from up north, and it's mm. and Mike just alluded to it, and we all know it. You could just imagine them, right, when they're up there. Hey, oh, hey, oh, Chuck, let's have a meat pie, sausage roll, and let's <laughs> let's really screw Arsenal this weekend, shall we? How can we screw them differently to make it look like you know it's uh, it's fair game? Surprised how good that northern accent is. Yeah, that, it's better than my uh, scouts one, by the way. You don't want me to bust that one out. <laughs> It is there there needs to be more diversity. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is there needs to be more diversity. Um we need to you need more accountability, accountability. too. Right? Like you're not it needs to happen quicker than what is happening. Like it's just it's to use you know American slang, it, I mean they're trash. They <laughs> aren't good enough. It's as simple as that. Yeah, bush, um, bush league, bush league. And it's just in, a little it's good. In the most intense <laughs> lead in the world, right? Like you need the like you're talking about the highest intensity week to week. 
the hardest decisions happen because of the intensity of the Premier League. And you have officials who can't, who just can't keep up, right? Like, it, it's wild to me. Like, you have, I think I, I retweeted something about, I think it was the French League, League One, where they, um, they have the, the they have the audio from the officials and the video, and they go through it. And I was like, yeah, there's no way PG Mole was doing it. You have to have full trust in your officials to do that, right? I can't even imagine that these conversations, like, oh man, I mean, so it would be wild, man. Yeah, it would. Um, we are going to end the show sadly on that down note. If you want to hear all the positive stuff we talked about, it was right at the beginning. Um, <laughs> lots of really good stuff um, to discuss and go back and listen. Uh, as always, you can join our Strava group uh, to keep up to date and involved in our fitness club, uh, strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash ESARP. I hit a, a record low uh, weight wise this week, hitting 95 kilos down six uh, from now from the start. So, yeah, very, uh, very happy with the progress being. What's that in uh, stone amazing. then? I don't know. Um, kilos to stone. You're asking That's... for stones. I'm like, can somebody put I that wanted in pounds, but I, I mean, when we, I was growing up, everything was in stones. Now these kids in England talking kilos. I can't do maths. You guys know Down I'm rubbish. Down stone is what it says. So once, once you, you drop four more, we give you permission pounds. to wear some salmon. 13 okay. pounds is what it is, Mike. So there you go. 13 pounds. I mean, most of that, that weight was gained after a horrible ACL injury, right? <laughs> 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 yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, thank you, uh, listeners, uh, those watching live and catching up on uh, YouTube and audio platforms. Really appreciate it. Do drop a like and subscribe uh, if you would. Uh, Sophie, thank you for your time this evening. Please tell people they can find you. At Highbury Squad, uh, give us a chance. We're really positive there. Mm, very positive thank you so much for stepping in for our boy owen um you've done a brilliant brilliant job my friend uh thank you for that tell people they can find you you. uh my name is mike hers mike hers fc on twitter i am the host of not another arsenal podcast weekly podcast every tuesday like three four o'clock in the morning over there in the uk but we're trying to do previews at a more reasonable uk time so watch out for that tomorrow potentially and I also feature occasionally when Andy's not around on the Gooners podcast. There you go. See, he's uh, he's our super sub, he's, he's old Hertzie. Um, <laughs> so he's a brilliant yeah. one at that as well. He's like Leandro Trossard. He deserves to start, but he's always on the bench. So uh... <laughs> uh, my, my kit's on the way, Tom. I, that, that's the name I went with this season. <laughs> Yeah, I was very tempted. I thought, I've not got a Saka shirt yet. I, I just need to get one. Um, so, yeah, I went with Saka this season. Saka and uh, Zinchenko are my two names on the shirts oh this God. season. Now, uh, I've cracked the code. He reminds me of Cousin Greg in Succession, Mike Hurt. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Cousin Greg. I, I haven't I'm, watched I'm Succession yet. So that's not where I'm I, I need to see it. <laughs> And lastly, uh, the Doc Raj, thank you so much uh, for jumping on, Matt, as always, especially during a work day. It's always very much appreciated. Uh, in the office, tell people where they can find you, mate. Yeah, you can find me at 3CB Performance um, on all social media channels. Appreciate talking mm. to you all, as always. Raj is one of the only people who sounds like how I imagine that someone's tweets sound. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like just the same tone all the way through. I, I'd love to see you do like a watch along, Raj. And like, <laughs> yes, we've scored. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's where I save all my everything that's for. So yeah. awesome. Conserving the energy. Turn this one to the switch. The switch turns. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it is when you cross that white line everything changes um thank you so much guys for tuning in i'll be back next thursday uh for another show you can follow us on all the usual places uh, i'll be back tomorrow morning bright and early 8 a.m for all the updates uh more discussion about balogun tierney and uh, hopefully some more news on maybe incomings we'll have to wait and see uh, thank you for listening have a fantastic evening day uh morning wherever you happen to be in the world and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.